0: It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your
1: host, Ryan O'Leary and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. All right. Welcome in, everybody, to the Saints Wire podcast. Thanks for joining us. John, you must be stuffed from that Foxborough feast over the weekend, huh? Your Saints absolutely manhandled my pats, and uh, that was an ass-whooping. There's nothing else to say. I'm still recovering from that thing.
0: Man, it was impressive. The Saints really looked like the, the uh, better prepared team, which is really tough to do against uh, the Belichick squad. Uh, but the Saints, th- th- they showed up, just loaded for bear, and they, they took care of business. And I'm going to give them credit for that, unlike uh, Pete Frisco over at CVS. Um, I'm not going to knock the Saints' sound a spot in the Power Rankings after noting how greatly they, they've uh, they've performed and in some really tough circumstances here to start the season. So it was it was, a, it was a good good win, good team win, big plays on defense and special teams made up for kind of a quiet day on offense for the Saints which is starting to look like a theme this
1: season yeah it definitely is and I want to talk about that and yes that article that John's referencing go to Saints wire and find the article about all the uh the the media people that are doing the power rankings and contradicting themselves it's a it is a good read I I did appreciate that one um some takeaways from the game yeah yeah of course some takeaways from the (laughs) game John one thing that stuck out to me number one was the penalties right that was a topic for us like All season last year, we kept talking about the penalties, especially on defense, the ones that would, uh, you know, those automatic first down varieties, the pass interferences. We were constantly talking about that last year. But you look at this team, they've been pretty disciplined, two penalties, 15 yards. And the Patriots are, are that team at home where they they're that team that never commits the penalties and they let the other team screw it up. And the Saints weren't going to do that. They didn't turn it over. They didn't commit penalties. And the offense only gains 252 yards, as you were kind of saying there. But the defense only allows 13. And right now, that's third in the league at points allowed per game at 14 even. And obviously, the offense is coming along. There's some injuries on that side of the ball. But I think right now, the Saints are, are definitely winning on defense. Do you think that's sustainable, John, in the modern-day NFL? Can they keep on winning with the the offense kind of doing what it's got to do, capitalizing on short fields, and then really the defense kind of leading the way? you think that's sustainable?
0: Um, I think it is until it isn't. <laughs> just uh, until well, midseason,
1: yeah, right? We just got to continue yeah, that wave until midseason. Yeah,
0: right. You, you, you can win. That way against some of the bad quarterbacks in this league, like Daniel Jones, Jones. and Aaron Rodgers and Mac Jones. Um, <laughs> 100% <laughs> okay, yes. Look, look uh, yeah, yeah. In all seriousness, I think you, you can get away with that against a lot of teams, but these teams that have, like, you know, top tier offenses, uh, passing offenses specifically, I think you're going to have a lot of trouble with that against, like, you know, Matthew Stafford and the LA Rams in the playoffs. Um, or against uh, Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys the week after Thanksgiving. I think I think those are going to be really difficult games in order to win And with this style of play. And the thing that really gets me solace is that this is not like the vision for the Saints this year. They're, they're still kind of working their way towards uh, the style of football that they want to play. Um, and we got to remember, you know, they're not at full strength. They don't have all the pieces. This is an offense where it's designed for, for Michael Thomas to catch 10 or 12 passes a game, and right now he's not out there. Uh, it's, it's an offense that is designed for Traquan Smith to be a weapon on third downs, and he's not out there. And so until they get those pieces back in, until, until some of the guys who they're really counting on to step up can you know, get on the field and make an impact, I think it's going to continue to be kind of an ugly offense. It's going to continue to look just, just kind of disjointed maybe. And we're, it's really going to put a lot of pressure on their defense to step up and, and perform. And so far the defense has done its job. So right now, they're good enough to compete week in and week out. Right now, I'm not confident that they're going to go win, you know, 10, 12, 14 games this year until the offense can show me something.
1: Yeah, for sure. And there there was a key injury that came out of this game, too, right? Uh, Toronto Armstead expected to miss at least a couple weeks. That's a tough loss for sure. I mean, that that one's, that one's one sticks out. And especially with kind of the interior line not playing, you know, not exactly uh, – they're killing it there, the interior offensive line. I think Cesar Ruiz is up there. You know, he's a name that's on notice a little bit at, at the center position. But Armstead getting hurt and being out for a little while, that's another tough blow, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is uh, because we're still without their starting center. And Eric McCoy, it's only Wednesday, and McCoy did not practice. So he's got time to uh, – get on the field on Thursday and Friday and see if he can make a go this week. That was the expectation with McCoy. Uh, the Saints did not put him on injured reserve when they had the chance, uh, and that's because he would he would have had to miss at least three weeks to, to uh, recover on IR from this calf injury. And we're entering week three. The, the expectation was that he would be ready to play on Sunday against the Giants. we we'll have to see on that. But if he can't go, then that means the Saints are going to be down two of their starting five, arguably their two best, Starting of the, of the starting five offensive linemen between him and Armstead. Now, with Armstead, good news there, and I fully understand a lot of Saints fans are not really going to take um, solace in this. Saints have been planning to play football without Armstead for a while now. Uh, whenever they re signed uh, James Hurst earlier this offseason, they gave him a contract that has a lot of guarantees and a lot of escalators that are tied to him winning a starting job in the future potentially at left tackle. Uh, Whenever they extended Ryan Rancheck's contract, they included a clause that gives him a pay raise if he is named an all-pro as a left tackle instead of right tackle. And so they're preparing for life without Armstead next year. This gives them an opportunity to try out these um, contingency plans and see how they perform and see if they need to bring in someone else here in the spring. So it really, really sucks to not have Armstead in there because he is one of your best players on the team. But the Saints do have some plans to kind of survive without him. And the good news is that they've got a pretty good matchup this week to go out and win a football game, even though they they may have a talent drop-off at left tackle
1: we saw another one of our rookies, Pete Werner, the linebacker out of Ohio State. He'd missed the first two games, but he finally found his way onto the field, right? And he played probably more than a lot of people expected. About half of the snaps, I'd say. It was right around half of them. Made a couple tackles, and he played a lot more than Zach Bond, who had been the starter, and uh, what? He played like six snaps in this game. So what'd you see from Werner, and what do you think about that rotation going forward?
0: I think he looked so much more comfortable in what the Saints were asking him to do than Bond, and and that makes a lot of sense because he He's done this before. Yep. We've got to remember with Zach Bond, he was a pass rushing defensive end at Wisconsin. They drafted him, taught, had to teach him how to backpedal, essentially, um, and play off ball linebacker. And he still doesn't look very comfortable in that. That that shouldn't be a surprise. Uh, so to see Werner step in, play pretty well, move well, I'm not shocked by this. It is encouraging. Uh, because he was a draft pick that a lot of fans were kind of out on the minute it was it was uh, red <laughs> up on the stage at the draft, but he, you know he, he moves very well laterally. That that that's a great trait for linebackers. We've gotten to see whether he has the long feet to you know carry a a, a big George Kittle esque tight end down the seam. Uh, but he performed well against some good tight ends in New England, where they invested like I don't know. It was like $100 million in free agency. <laughs> yeah, they might, they, between might and Johnny Smith. they might be overrated.
1: They might be overrated, John. I don't know. We'll see.
0: <laughs> overrated, over, overpaid. Who's, yeah. who, who's to say? The same. Um, yeah, same the, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah, he, he passed that test uh, pretty, pretty well. And so I think he's going to be a good band-aid until Quan Alexander is able to return from his elbow injury. Uh, remember, he's out until at least this Giants game. He He's eligible to return next week. Um, But as with all the other guys battling injuries, we're going to have to wait and see when they'll get the green light. Just because they're eligible to return does not mean that's when they're going to return. Uh, But Werner has has played really well. He didn't miss a tackle. Uh, He did tackle really well there. I think they had a pass to – it wasn't James White. It was J.J. Taylor, I think, on, on the right flat. And Werner completely read the play, made an awesome form tackle. Uh, and dropped drop him for a loss of two or three yards uh, to save, save a first down conversion. So I'm, I've been very encouraged by him. I've, I've been encouraged by all the rookies, even if first round pick Peyton have had a, kind of a week, t- kind of a quiet game this week.
1: Yeah, it was quiet. Not terrible, though, right? And Paulson Adibo was out there 100% of the defensive snaps, so uh, the rookie class is looking pretty good. And uh, one thing I did want to cover today, John, is uh, this article you wrote about the quarterback, Jameis Winston, and I found this fascinating. We're going to get into a little bit more about Jameis. We'll do that coming up next.
2: This is the sports Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Welcome
3: to week number four of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini of the Huddle.com here to bring Bring you strong plays. After a forgettable week three, Mac Jones, the rookie quarterback of the New England Patriots, takes on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. While normally I would avoid a rookie quarterback against this pass rush, the pass rush just hasn't been there yet for the Bucs. Only Washington has given up more points to quarterbacks, and that's mainly due to allowing a pair of rushing touchdowns. No team has given up more yardage than Tampa. There's a good chance the Tom Brady's offense will force the Patriots to throw more than they'd like. Running back Jonathan Taylor at the Miami Dolphins Traditionally, I avoid players who are considered to be locks for lineups each week, but Taylor's been off to a sluggish start. In the event you're one of those antsy gamers who's looking to possibly bench him, a trip to the Miami Dolphins defense should do wonders. This unit has given up over 120 rushing yards, over 52 receiving yards, and a touchdown every 20.4 touches. This is a top 10 matchup across the board for fantasy football purposes. Lock in Taylor and expect a strong game despite the offensive line issues at the moment. Wide receiver Christian Kirk... Arizona Cardinals at Los Angeles Rams. Playing more than 60% of his snaps from the slot, Kirk is averaging a career high in fantasy points per game and a career high in receiving average. DeAndre Hopkins still may not be 100% by kickoff after suffering a rib injury in week two, and he and A.J. Green will have to contend with two of the strongest cornerbacks in the NFL. Expect the strong defense by the Rams on the outside to divert Kyler Murray to throwing inside to Christian Kirk. Rookie tight end Pat Fryer moves to the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Green Bay Packers. He is clearly the go-to tight end with Eric Ebron falling way behind on the target count. And Firemouth has been more productive. This is a matchup that has game script for pass-heavy offense written all over it. Only one team has given up more receptions to tight ends than the Packers. This is the ninth best matchup to face for yardage. And this is the fourth best team to face for scoring efficiency. Target hog wide receiver Deontay Johnson is expected to return. There's no guarantee that he'll be 100%. While we may be one month into the season already, it's not too late. Go over to TheHuddle.com to check out our award-winning fantasy football news, information, and advice.
2: That was your Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Win your fantasy football league with TheHuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at USA Today slash podcast. That's USA say today bet.com slash podcast see for terms and conditions 21 plus only gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado
1: alright John we have the new Jameis Winston right and, and he hasn't fumbled once in these three games. After doing so, I think you wrote 50 times in his first 72 games of his career. So that's a, that's a lot of fumbles. And Jameis has not fumbled yeah. as a as a Saints starter. He's uh, thrown two interceptions on 63 attempts, which is just fine. And he has taken seven sacks, which is an uptick. And you, you look at the passing leaders, you just pull up the stats through three weeks, and Jameis only has thrown for 387 passing yards. Now, there is, uh, there's a few factors that go into that, but he ranks last among the starting quarterbacks by a wide margin. And Jacoby Brissett, who's played about a game and a half for Miami, is, is ahead of him or almost ahead of him, I should say. So Jameis is not exactly letting the world on fire in the passing game. Maybe Sean Payton's just fine with that, uh, John. But I feel like and I've seen some stuff on social media and you've done some stuff on um, on Saintswire on this. It seems like Jameis is almost going overboard with protecting the football and not being dangerous as a passer, right? And it, it's at some point, you've got to find that happy medium and really stress the defense. And I don't think defenses are really worried about the passing game um, as much as they could be or should be, because Jameis, we've seen him throw for 5,100 yards as a Buccaneer. I know, he also threw 30 interceptions that, that year, but still, we, we know he can throw it. So I'm wondering if we can find a happy medium there, but what do you think's going on with Jameis? Why is he so hesitant to take shots? It seems like he's almost being too careful, overly careful, John.
0: Yeah, I think it's a um maybe an overcorrection to some of his uh, bad habits that we've seen from him before in the NFL. You look at the guys that came before him to start: Taysom Hill, Teddy Bridgewater. Both of those guys were really hesitant to pull the trigger on these big play opportunities, and, and they're starting uh, time with, with the Saints. You know, Bridgewater did get better the longer he was starting under center, um, but it was an issue early on, and that's continued here with Winston. I, I think that's a byproduct of Sean Payton coaching them and really drilling it into their heads that the only way we're, we're going to lose any football games is if you turn the ball over. If you get the ball away, if you throw a pick. And so that's what we're seeing with Winston, where he, he's hesitant to uh, send the ball downfield to the open receiver when they do get open and whenever he does have time, because right now the offense is having trouble in all phases. Uh, The offensive line has a lot of turmoil going on with with starters getting hurt, uh, with uh, younger players not playing up to their potential, the receiving core. You know, we've we've talked before about how uh, talent thin it it is right now. Um, And so they're having separation issues. So whenever things do go right, when he does have time, when the receivers do get open, we're seeing Winston kind of shrink and take a sack when he doesn't need to because the play is out there and he's choosing instead not to take it. So, this is something I think will improve with time, with greater reps, greater experience. Um maybe once once Sean Payton, you know, gives him a longer leash potentially um after he's won some trust. So, I think it, I think this will get fixed um especially as guys like Tre'Quan Smith get back in the lineup who was with worked gosh almost every day it seemed like <laughs> from them on Instagram uh, yep. working out all yep. the time in the off season. So once he gets some guys back in there that he's maybe more comfortable working with, uh, that he has more trust in, maybe Sean Payton will have greater trust in Winston and not put so much pressure on him to avoid these turnovers. So, you know, so far it, it, it is a winning formula. But like I said, whenever you're going up against offenses that can average, you know, 30 or 40 points a game, you're going to have a lot of trouble. And so we've got to see some improvement from him in that direction Hopefully, this can be like a get-right game for the Saints against the Giants. Very, very, very forest defense this weekend.
1: It's kind of fascinating because in your article, you write about how Jameis, yeah, he is protected like, to the point where he's putting two hands on the ball when he takes these sacks, and he's really making sure he's taking the sack and not fumbling it, and it's interesting, but he's not. he's also not exactly – like, take that touchdown pass to Marquez Calloway, right? Like, that thing was, like, a prayer. <laughs> and it's like, he still yeah. has those moments where... So we talk about how he's really going overboard and overcorrecting it, but he still has these little moments, John, where he puts the ball in harm's way and he's probably gotten the lucky side of it a few times. But I found that... Fa- like, I was I was laughing uh, at the throat of Calloway. I'm like, holy crap, Jameis. Like, I, I was really... But,
0: you know, everyone... <laughs> Don't. Everyone except for his coaches laughing.
1: Exactly. Yeah, Peyton, so, Peyton Sean, was the Sean only Peyton, one not cheering.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, 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 you know, Sean Payton and Pete Carmichael and his quarterbacks' coach Ronald Curry, they, they were the only people on this planet not laughing at Jameis Winston in that moment. Um, just, just at just at how ridiculous it, it was. And you know, he can correct these things where it's like on a routine snap by snap basis. He he can work on that. But this is always going to be part of Winston's DNA. It's what he's always done. Where maybe he's under pressure, he it's a heat of the moment decision, and he gets reckless. I think that that's always going to be part of his game. It's, we've seen it in Tampa Bay. We've seen it in Florida State. I mean, one of those like very early Jameis Winston memes with him of like pushing a shopping cart there in the Rose Bowl against Oregon is what it looked like he was doing when he was throwing the ball. Uh, far, far, far away to to, a, to an Oregon Ducks defender for for a pick six or whatever. Um, he, he's always done this where, you know, if he has to make a snap decision, sometimes he makes the wrong one. And, you know, it's worked out well for the Saints for the most part so far, but then we did have the two picks against Carolina, and I think that is something we had this, you know, turnover-worthy play against the Pats, and I think that is something that Sean Payton is going to weigh heavily on uh, as he continues to work with Winston this season.
1: Yeah, check out John's analysis on on Jameis Winston on Saints Wire. It's definitely worth the read. And uh, so let's get in. We got a home game, John. We got a home game in New Orleans. This is pretty finally. Sweet. I'm, yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure the I'm sure, the, uh, I'm sure all of Louisiana is fired up, and the Saints are big favorites against the struggling Giants. And John and I will get into that game and pick a side coming up next.
2: This is the typical sportsbook minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of Bet Slippin' Podcast and SportsbookWire.com here with my colleague Jeff Clark to break down the marquee Sunday night football matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New England Patriots. The Buccaneers are six and a half point road favorites at minus 122 odds in the battle of Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick. Buccaneers are my pick to win by seven or more. This line seems soft. I don't care about Brady Belichick. This is a Super Bowl caliber Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. Hasn't looked apart so far. Better days are ahead, and those are going to come against rookie Matt Jones and the Patriots. Jeff.
3: I'm with you. I got the Buccaneers. I'll lay more than a touchdown or whatever it gets to. Brady's got all the motivation and all the help around him that Belichick doesn't. And Mac Jones is graded out or excuse me, is discussed as if he were better than the rookie quarterbacks, whereas I think he's as bad as the rookie quarterbacks and we should see a get right game for the Tampa Bay defense that struggled through the first three weeks. I'll lay whatever with the Bucks. Let's just call it a touchdown.
2: That was your typical sports book.
1: All right, John, Saints are eight and a half point favorites and climbing at the Caesar Superdome, their first true home game of the year. I think that place is going to be rocking. What do you think? I think uh, I think the Giants are in for a long day because that place is going to be going wild.
0: It is rocking and rolling and the roof might fly off at some point. It's going to be wild. It's going to catch on Uh, fire again. Yeah, yeah, possibly <laughs> from the inside this time.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so, yeah, yeah, not, not on but that, that, that's me knocking on my desk now. Yeah, to make sure exactly. that doesn't happen. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, this is the the very first Saints game that's going to be played. You know, a, a meaningful regular season playoff game, whatever. This going to be the first meaningful game played in the Superdome in front of a full uh, attendance um, crowd. So, since this, Okay, let me let me rephrase yep, that. Go ahead. Cut, cut that. Okay. Yep. okay. So this is going to be the first full attendance Saints game played in the Superdome since uh, the Vikings rolled in and beat the Saints in the playoffs uh, way back in January of 2020. Um, it's it's been like a year and a half since then with, with the the pandemic and everything, um, and we're finally going to have seventy thousand Houdats back in there. It's it's going to be wild. Um, I, I wish all the luck. To the Giants and kind of finding ways to neutralize that noise. It's not something they, they, they get at home. It's not something they get. They've gotten anywhere. It, it might not be something that Daniel Jones has ever seen in his NFL career so far. So it's going to be a lot of diversity for those guys. They're going to have all kinds of communication issues. I can't wait for it. Um, it's just, it's been so long since we've seen a house in there. Um, you know, I, and I miss it. You know, I miss the Whistle Monster. I miss the, uh, Stand up and get crunk, touchdown celebration. Um, it, it's been so long. I, you know, in the days that I went as a spectator, I, I even missed the, uh, the, uh, the the third quarter uh, boat race game to, to see if you were a little too uh, in your cups or not. Um, so, so I can't wait for it, man. It, it's going to be electric. I wish I could be there myself, um, but it's going to be a fantastic game, great experience, and I'm just so excited that the so people are going to get to to enjoy it this time and. No, but based off of what we're seeing here from from the oddsmakers, from from the experts, it's uh, looking looking pretty favorable for the Saints to win this
1: one. Oh, it absolutely is, and I think Saints fans are going to have some fun because Giants fans are among the most upset in the league. Maybe the Giants fans are competing with Bears fans to see who could be more upset with their franchise. But I think the uh, the Giants fans uh, take the cake right now because their franchise is a dumpster fire and they've got infighting and guys frustrated with their role and and Jason Garrett calling super conservative game plans and the owner, I guess I heard, John, the owner tossed the garbage can in his suite during the game against the Falcons, which they <laughs> lost at home last week. So it's just, the Giants are, are, are have lost their way. 0-3, they just lost to the Falcons. And I just hate this spot for them. I don't know how they come into New Orleans in this spot and even make this a game. I think eight and a half, I'm going with the Saints. I would uh, I would give away those points and pick the Saints at eight and a half. I think this is a double-digit win for uh, New Orleans.
0: Yeah, I think that's very, very plausible. Uh, this feels like a game where the Saints on court where they kind of remind everybody, hey, we, Drew Brees is not under Sarah anymore. We, we can we can really stretch the field here. And the Giants have a defense that has given up a lot of big plays. That's very vulnerable to that kind of attack. Um I think the Saints are going to really do everything they can to put Jameis Winston in a position to maximize his receivers and kind of put the legal notice here. So I'm very excited about this game. Um, you know, there are some things that could go wrong. Like the, the, the Giants have some playmakers on offense, but they've got a play caller who is like allergic to using them. <laughs> exactly. um, and now a lot of those guys are injured. Yeah, and, and now a lot of those guys are injured. On the, uh, They are limited on the report. Uh, this week, with like Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, uh, Sterling Shepard, one of the best slot receivers in the league. He, he's injured. Um, so you've got a quarterback who has not been in this environment before, who has to navigate it without some of his best weapons um, with, with a play caller who's actively working to um, keep them out of these high leverage situ- situations. Uh, good, good luck to him. God bless him. Um so we will see how how it goes, but you know, if, if the line is eight and a half, I've, I've seen anywhere from seven and a half to eight and a half. I think I got to take the over there because this really feels like the kind of statement game that we have come to expect from Sean Payton teams here in October in recent years.
1: Yeah, for sure. And the total on the typical sportsbook app is at forty-two and a half. And you know, you're just talking about the offensive coordinator and the Giants. They they seem to want to do these drives, John, where they it takes them three downs to get the first down. They really don't like to go over the top it seems like Daniel Jones can actually throw the ball deep a little bit, but they like to just go three yards a play. That's their kind of game plan, which is really hard to to win in today's NFL when you're doing that. But whatever, you want to have 14 play drives every time. Good luck to you. Um,
0: yeah, and it's going to be tough to do that in yeah. the same defense. It's yeah. only allowing like two, 2.8 yards per carry. So exactly, exactly. Good, good, good luck, buddy.
1: Yeah, no, the, the Giants are <laughs> they're in trouble in this one, and they're only scoring like you know, 16, 18 points. I think they're at 18 points a game this year. They're around 17 last year. They just don't score a lot of points, and the Saints aren't giving up any points right now. So when what I'm, what I'm looking at 42 and a half, that's actually a big number for Giants games. They're usually around 40 and a half, 39, 41. So 42 and a half is a big number for a Giants game. I think I still go under. I think, I think the Saints could run the ball on them a little bit, and I don't think the Giants are going to score more than 10 or 14 points. So I think I'm leaning under on 42 and a half.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think points are going to be really hard for, to come by for, for Big Blue. Um, I think the Saints will win this one by double digits, but I'll be surprised if the Giants can, you know, potentially score double digit points themselves. So this feels like a game that's going to be like a like a twenty four to fourteen or so, so something all along those lines. It's going to be very one sided in New Orleans' favor, um, but it may not be like a you know. A, Forty burger, like we've seen Saints teams uh, drop on on overmatched opponents
1: before. No, I'm with you 100. 24 14, 27 14, something like that. Um, that's exactly what I'm expecting, um, and it should be a fun one for Saints fans. I don't think I don't think this is going to be an L. I I can promise you that. So, uh, looking forward to it, John. We will be. Will we be back next week? Well, we'll be back next week to record unless um, I have a baby because uh, my, my wife is, is, uh, my wife and I are expecting a baby at any moment. Could be this week, could be next. So um, I'm hesitant to say we'll be back next week because I don't know if I'll be in a hospital somewhere. Um, but, you know, it's, we'll just say we'll be back as soon as possible to uh, talk more Saints football. Does that work for you?
0: It sounds fantastic, man. Good, good luck to you and your wife. I appreciate Everything that. goes well.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah, we'll talk to you all next time.